My name is Nate Phillips, and I am the champion of J.I.W. After our debut episode of season four took the world by storm, the high, yeah, that's right, the highest rated premiere in J.I.C.N. history, and it's all because of me, and this is my confidant, the man closest to me. Hit him with a little bit of that bubbly buckles. Check us out on Journey Into Wrestling, where the podfather and I run down everything from the bingo halls to the brightest delights. If it's in between the ropes, it's on Journey Into Wrestling, every other Wednesday on the Journey Into Comics Network. Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? 14,605. How many did we win? One. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast that's dedicated to everything nerd. With your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips, and introducing his new co-host, Tyler McLaughlin. You should have gone for the head. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 299. As always, I am your host, Nate. Today, joining me is the most all-star lineup of all-star lineups as we have the OG of JIC himself. Welcome back to the show once again, co-founder of the Journey Into Comics Network, Game Addicts Podcast host, Brando. How are you, my friend? Doing pretty good, my friend. It's good to be here today back on the old JIC podcast. Uh, just sitting back and chilling with some good old iced tea in my mug and, uh, you know, kicking it with my homies. Going to be talking about some cool comic news, talking about some Craven's Last Hunt. I got, I jumped onto that and read that all this morning to get caught up to you guys. It was pretty cool. And, uh, oh, yeah. it, it, Nate, it, it's always fun to see you again. But uh, can we just address the elephant in the room? Uh, <laughs> and the fact that, that, that our good buddy Tyler is here. Yeah. Yes, sir. I was getting there. Don't you worry. But his beard is not. The beardless wonder. I fashioned. I told you guys last night when we were recording our super secret project. That's not really a secret project, but it might be. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. But there's a possibility that it is. That I fashioned my beard hair into a loincloth. That you went into battle with Thunderdome. Yeah. Well, I I'm fashioned my beard hair into a loincloth for the event known as Presidential Thunderdome. There we go. Until The Rock entered, and then all shit. Yep. That we are spoiling yep. everything. This is future. <laughs> Give away all the good it. bits. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, today joining us, as Brando alluded to, welcome back to the show once again. As you guys know and love him, he is the savage one. He is the stepdad of the Journey into Comics Network. And for some reason, I feel like he's got a dial in his back that he just turns to make his hair recede back into his face. Like, 
<laughs> he didn't shave it. He just turned this dial and it was just like <laughs> he ungrew it. <laughs> he ungrew it. Yep. Ungrowing a beard. That's the that's the name of the game. But how are you, T.Y.? I'm, I'm doing good. Um, speaking of my hair, the last the last year, year and a half, I've been really, really, really self-conscious about the, the hair on my head. And I think that like my hair started to thin on my head for two reasons. One, stress. So like my hair was legitimately falling out, but like two, um, I started to grow hair on my face and then that stole all capability that I had to grow hair on my head. So I thought, you know, and this is, this is like some, some Trumpian like backwood science here, (laughs) but maybe if I shave the hair off of my face, that some of the hair will come back on my head. I like it. I will say there's 40% plausibility it will work. <laughs> it's like an energy transfer. Like 60% of the you know. time, it works every time. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, it's crazy to say it because we are really genuinely, absolutely, without question, unequivocally on the precipice of Journey into Comics 300. Mm-hmm. We have taken part in some of that although it is not yet complete at this moment so i can't wait to see how that is all done and you guys are going to have a blast with all the things we have planned today however we're just going to keep it brief and simple we've got some comic news we're going to dive into the last two of the last three of the craven last hunt story uh arc uh books that we have to get through Mm -hmm. uh first of all i want to say brando thank you for catching up to craven's last hunt i almost you know um I didn't know that that was actually going to happen, so it's cool that we actually will get you and your thoughts on that. Absolutely. You know, we always talked about covering that back in the day. I remember we were doing some other, uh, the comic book club uh, like that, that we did, and uh, we we got halfway through Watchmen. We had some technical issues, and we never got the crew back to finish it. And the book, uh, people may not know this, but we were going to say, hey, the next comic book club, or the, or the comic club is what we called it. Yep. Um, the next comic club is going to be Craven's Last Hunt. We never got to it. So it's really cool you guys finally got to it around episode 298 or 97 when you guys started a whole... I think 295, yeah. We were, we were whenever... You, you're probably more right on the time for us. But it was just like um, Tyler and I had been talking. We had just finished the Abrams story, mm-hmm. which is only three books at this point, And we are kind of, I think, really sinking our teeth into Spider-Man stories right now. Mm-hmm. And that is a, like an iconic one, obviously. Sure, well, absolutely. Especially with the Abrams stuff, you know, you and I, back back when we started the X-Men stuff last year, really, um, we yeah. started to talk about how excited we were for the Abrams Spider-Man story because, you know, obviously we're all big fans of J.J. Abrams and, and the fact that with all the collaborations and stuff and how the art style is a little bit different, we were really, really excited to do that. And then with coronavirus... And 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 kind of what seems to be the trend in the industry, uh, the last couple of years of here's this super cool thing we're doing, we can't finish the books on time, so you got to wait like six years uh, to get all the issues of like a five issue, six issue comic run, um, you know. So we waited, we waited a really long time to do the the Abrams Spider Man, and you know, finally when it's like, all right. They've got uh, they've got a day for issue four. They've got a day for issue five, and that'll be it. And then, um, you know, those they have been moved again. Those days have come and passed without announcements of them being pushed back again. So, uh, I'm not super enthusiastic, or or I'm not super 
hopeful maybe that hopeful. we're going to get to the end of this? Yeah, just because, you know, like I, I spent when we recorded last weekend, I spent probably an hour after the show um, doing some work on my computer, kind of dicking around. And I had maybe four or five different articles pulled up that were different time frames on when we should expect issue four and issue five of that, the continuation of that story. And every one of them said different things. And they all basically said, we really don't know when this is going to happen. So it's unfortunate. Um, but it, you know, that's, that's the, that's the nitty gritty of it, you know? I mean, you know, and I feel like if we're going to do the, the Craven's last hunt talk, I think we will save that to the end of the show. Cause it is the, these two issues especially are like, like, I think, ty and i talked leading up to first issue is very good two and three are definitely the exposition the building of the story there's not a lot going on but then everything pops off in four and five and it's just like you know once you open pandora's box you can't you know pandora won't go back in that box as it were so um i'm 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 really excited to talk about that however there are a couple topics that i want to just throw you guys way get some opinions and stuff did you guys hear about this thing that happened in central park no uh, with Christian Cooper. Okay, so I'm going to read this to you. Um, Christian Cooper uh, was one of the first openly gay employees in the Marvel Comics back in 1990s, right? He helped increase the LGBTQ representation in the company with his work on Alpha Flight, Darkhold, and, and many others. He was an assistant editor on the issue where Northstar came out about his sexual orientation, which was a big deal in the 90s. Um he wrote many other stories. Anyways, he's also the guy who was in Central Park walking his dog. And a lady, a white lady, came up to him and told him to essentially get away because I'm going to call the cops on you after he asked her to social distance from him because right. she was not wearing a mask or she was not wearing it properly or whatever. And he was. Mm -hmm. So she tried to call the cops and the whole thing got filmed from his camera. The minute she said cops he put into camera mode and filmed the whole thing of her acting like he's attacking her and all this like crazy shit to essentially get him fucking killed. Mm. And he, you know, was very peaceful, just did his thing. Officers got there. He showed him the footage, you know, everything deescalated. That lady ends up getting fired and has been doxxed and, you know, all the shit that happens in 2020 when you're an absolute asshole to people. Right. But it's just interesting because Christian Cooper is this guy who he had – uh, a history, a storied history with Marvel already. And now in the time and the movement of Black Lives Matter, he has yet another important moment that, you know, really kind of set things forward a little bit more about how, you know, you have to be if you are an African-American male in this country, unfortunately. Mm. So I don't like I said, I don't know if you guys had seen the video, seen the story or anything like that, but I thought it was no. worth bringing up on the show for sure. Yeah. I did hear the story, but I didn't know that that's who he was. Yeah, same. Uh, so that's interesting. And yeah, no, you got, man, got to be careful out there, man. You got to watch your ass, you know? <laughs> like, no, no, seriously, yeah. like, the, this shit is nothing to fool around with. The thing is, is that, you know, that gal, even though she was, you know, berating and, and, and basically, you know, being a bitch, um, she may not have intended for them to kill him, but that's what could have happened. If the situation, Easily, especially where we are in today's society, if the situation escalated, if they saw him as a threat, and, and I mean, which doesn't take much uh, with all the BS that's going on. So, like, 
you know, he could have been like they could have saw the leash and it's like he's like he's gonna whip me, he's gonna whip me with a leash, and then that yep. that would enough to boom 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 like uh, or we, throw him to the ground or whatever. We need a medic, yeah, right, yeah, you know, just it it, it no like everything is so heightened right now, and uh, I you know I I'm glad that it worked out in the other favor uh, where that you know that did not happen because just think about this, it was just a few years ago, and it kind of became a trope. Unfortunately, uh, where, you know, calling the cops because their people are barbecuing at the damn park when they're not supposed to be. Yeah. White woman at black dot com, you know, acting. And then and they're basically saying, like, leave us alone. And they're and they're attacking back at her. And now she's playing the victim. Yep. No, uh-uh, not going to fly. It, it, it's it's very disgusting. I was going to save this for this week's uh, journey into rest. But it's pertinent here since we're we're on the conversation of Black Lives Matter. Uh, we did we you know we'll future trip about the Rock later. But did you hear the thing Xavier Woods said? I have not watched that yet, dude. I like cried my eyes out just watching him talk about it because it made me realize what is inherently wrong beyond what I had already known with our country, and it is that if your skin is brown at all. You have to do everything and prove you're doing it non-aggressively. And like the way he words it and the story he t- like it's it's very it is very powerful. Yeah. Absolutely, if you get a chance, do do check it out. But I watched the clip from yeah. backstage for with uh, Mark Henry, uh, CM Punk, and Booker T. I didn't see that. I, I need to watch that. And they talked about it because they showed uh, footage from Mark Henry. He was uh, filming at the Austin uh, protest. And asked him about it, and they asked Punk, and uh, I I first saw the clip. It was just Punk's clip. I didn't. Hear, I actually went back and saw the the whole segment later on. Sure. And uh, he did such a good job. Um, obviously, it's there. We go. You just elbow the shit out of that microphone, Ty. Sorry, I was distracted. <laughs> Ooh yeah. <laughs> um, elbows, brother. No, but it, he seriously like. Uh, when when we're put in this situation where like you're like you know Renee asks CM Punk so what's your thoughts on this and he's a white dude and he's like you could tell in the very beginning he's like he's trying to be thoughtful with his words to say the right thing because he means what he means you know with his words and he's like I I don't want to f- you know f up and say say it and have it not come like have people mis- misconstrue me Sure, but uh, but he's but you know but he comes out and he's like he's like it's not my place to tell black people how they should feel and how they should react. Right. He goes, it's it's my place as a white person to use my privilege for the power of good and try to speak up in in help of my black brothers and sisters. And what I would what he would say to others is. We, they need to shut up more and listen more. And um, then, of course, he's like, you know, the the dichotomy is, is that the only way to deal with intolerance is intolerance. Mm-hmm. And the 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 fans of hate are being stoked at the highest levels in this country. And he's like, he turns around, he goes. He goes and he goes and how I, and how he relates it to him. He's like he's like he's like not that any of this is about me, but 
It was the very first tattoo he ever saw was on his grandfather's arm, and it was numbers. And that's powerful he, shit. He got he he got a little choked up when he said it. He goes and he rode horseback towards Nazi Panzer tanks, and we have a president that says Nazis are very good people. Mm-hmm. And you know, <sighs> it, it it was a good segment. It was a really good segment. And I will the, definitely be checking it out. And Booker T went on to say that he's like, he's like, you see, you know, like he's like, there needs to be more leadership in the country and less followers, because because if you know he, he he's equating it to what happened with George Floyd. He goes, there's that one officer leaning on his neck. There were three other three officers there, and they're doing nothing, and they were following his lead. Mm-hmm. Where if they would have, if though if one would have said no, stop it, the others could have jumped on, and maybe they could have saved his life. Yep. Because you know. as we've talked, if as we've talked about is, you know, as citizens, you know, realistically, it's our responsibility to take care of to be each other. But if mm-hmm. any one of those people that were there witnessing that act would have intervened at all in any way, they would have been, been shot killed and killed. Too. Yeah, yeah, yep. yes, yes, and 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 that's the unfortunate thing is that that responsibility. Yes, as us on citizens, we 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 can call it out, we can videotape, we can expose these people, mm-hmm. but you know. When we have a police force that's killing people, robbing yep. them of their rights, of their of our civic rights that we are given by our constitution, and you have your quote bad apples and you have quote good cops, mm-hmm. but they don't stop the bad cops most right. times or a lot of times, and that's where the that's where the issue needs to be. It's like we need to have you know the good ones stand up for what's right and defend our citizens against the bad mm-hmm. you know you know, definitely if i see a cop doing that standing up against another one of his his so you know brothers in arms and saying you are fucking up i will applaud that person say so you For yes sure. absolutely there is a clip that i saw mm-hmm. um i didn't uh, they didn't capture the first part of it but they, but they captured the second part there was this there's this black woman on her on her knees with her hands up protesting and this white dude comes up to her and kicks her from behind and she falls forward. And this this black woman cop went over to him and beat the fuck out of him. Awesome. Yelling at him saying, "What the fuck are you doing?" Right. And it's like there it is, right there. There's that empowerment. There's that leadership that we need to have because yes. that's how we change it. That's how we change. Well, and there needs to be a demilitarization of the police force. There needs to be, you know, I was talking to my dad the other day about it. In Canada, they go through four to six months of de-escalation training. Yeah. Every scenario. Eight hours. Eight hours. Eight hours for us. No. You know. That's not enough. And also, it was during the Obama administration where they actually started to try to limit the militarization of our police force. And Donald Trump gets in and he undoes that because, of course, he undid tried to try to undo everything that his predecessor did, right? As a means of just discrediting, because he didn't yeah. like him. Uh, so you know, here we are. You know, like they 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 have tear gas, which is not used. Like it's like it's chemical warfare essentially, like on on like by wide scale military doesn't really use it. In fact, there's also been the. Um, uh, the comparison that in the military they go through further steps of de-escalation uh, for life-threatening situations. It's a dude coming at them in a vehicle, they try other things to do before they take the kill shot. Mm-hmm. Well, and I've, I've pointed out uh, 
you know, over the last couple of weeks that when you're in the military, you have a very strict rule. You have very strict rules of engagement, which our police force has rules of engagement just the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is very cut and dry. When a, a soldier kills a civilian, when they violate the rules of engagement, they sit in Leavenworth prison for the rest of their life. When a police officer violates the rules of engagement, they get put on administrative leave and get to sit on their couch and get paid, and then they come back. Uh, and keep doing know, the same exact shit. There's no the change in the behavior. Because, you know, it, it, Glenn Wrightsell was not an African-American man, but he was on the side of the road fixing his daughter's car, and a young cop walked up and shot him in the face. Yep. And then while he was still breathing, made him crawl on his hands and knees on the side of the highway and then watched him bleed to death. Whoa. That's that, fucked up. That happened down here. That. that happened down that, here, Nate. And, yeah, it happened just south of Linden. Just, and just the south reason, of Lafayette. The reason why that officer shot that man is because he had a gun on his hip because he's open carrying. And that's yep. it. He was exercising his American right to mm-hmm. have a firearm. He is he he was on the ground, if I remember correctly. Uh, uh he was leaning he was leaning over like oh. he was underneath the hood of the car. Yes, yes. And then the cop came up, was already drawn, you know, said something to him. The guy walked Glenn came around the front of the car. He saw that he had a gun. Fire. And he he's he alleges that Glenn tried to reach for the gun and he shot him in the face. That guy is still on the force, by the way. Yep, still patrolling. What the fuck? Um, yeah. No, that's that shit's awful. The other thing I saw this just last night after we were done doing our top secret special stuff last night <laughs> that the White House wanted 10,000 American troops across the country to break up protests and, and so, you know, riots and whatnot. That is unreal. It's not going to happen. No, no. But governors are not going to let it happen. No. The military is not going to let it happen. Did you see the I don't think it was there was the general Mattis statement, which is very powerful and yeah. says a lot. But then there was the oh fuck I cannot remember there, the chief. There were several others. The chief that came of out. staff or something that came oh. out and said every branch of the military, we serve the people and we are not the people are not the enemy and we will not be taking action against the protest. That is their God given right. I was pretty furious when I heard that they opened rubber bullet fire and tear gassed peaceful protesters outside of the church um, across the street from the White House just so he can go and take a picture with a book that he's probably never read and basically pander to a pander to a voter base th- that they that that he just pandering he he, he doesn't <laughs> care too about bad that too bad that move did this to his whole entire plan are went you guys up and smoke more and more similarities between uh Donald and Adolf especially with the uh yeah, Don- picture with the with the bible in front of the church Dono Trump oh yeah he is i mean come on dude this is a guy who openly admitted he like admired some of Adolf Hitler's um power and ability like that is insane yeah. like you study Adolf Hitler as like a point of he is literally the real world's fucking dr doom or red skull or whoever you want to put in that fucking tight he is the worst villain actualized so to not i i just fuck trump sorry also think about this if this were modern day or let's 
either take take technology back or bring back forward. Facebook would allow Nazi propaganda mm-hmm. on their website due to their terms of service. Right. No. <sighs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh, and 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 it was you know, Tyler brought up the the comparison between the president and Hitler. General Mattis kind of said the same thing in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. And that was very interesting to me where he said, in quote, you know, in my lifetime, President Trump is the first president to actively not try to unite the people, but not even pretend, but actively try to divide the country. Right. Make efforts towards that. And then in the next paragraph made this statement saying when the troops were about ready to storm Normandy, they were reminded that the Nazi goal, that that their game plan is divide and conquer. And that our response to that is through union, through unity, we are strong and we will beat them. That was interesting. That was Mm -hmm. a very interesting way to say exactly what you said without pretty much saying, yes, he's giving off shades of Hitler. Because right. that that would have been more scathing, and it would have been like throwing down. But you say it the other way, and it sounds a little bit more professional. But still, you're still getting the you're still getting the word across. And there were several other ex former uh, military leaders that have come out uh, and have criticized this presidency and 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 its reaction to the protests and its. I think it's just kind of interesting because if you look at Germany as a as, you know history repeats itself. You guys, let's let's be real here. Yeah, uh, Germany in like the nineteen or like sixteens, right after World War One and whatnot, uh, you had the slow rise of of Hitler and his power, and eventually, I think it was like in thirty two or thirty three, he starts running for office and starts get you know getting this kind of like not really fame about him, but you know celebrity because he is a, pol- a politician at that point. And then, you know, like you said, divide and conquer, right? Well, you got to remember. It is like, you got to remember, Nate, is that it, it, he was they uh, he, he 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 became popular. Yeah, because yeah. think about where Germany was economically after they World were, War One. They were crippled. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, we you know that that put them into a you know recession, depression, possibly even, and of course, then the whole world went into economic depression. Uh, but the people were beaten down into such a state that they were looking for a someone, a, a leader to come forward and bring the German people back to prominence. And here's this, here's this guy, and he's he's very well spoken. I mean, obviously, you can go back and you can look at all these speeches, and, and we hear this. He sounds like a madman raving, but to them, he's like, this is a guy. He is, he is maybe a little nuts, but he's speaking the truth. And what is he doing? He's placing the blame of their burden. On outsiders, Elsewhere. on immigrants, yep. on Jewish people, it, 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 and people were like, "Yeah, our problems, <laughs> fix them, yeah." And there were like, you, you know, you can look back and try, you know, people can say like, "Oh no, we weren't with them." A lot of people were, because oh yeah, and that's one of the biggest things. Especially, I'm really glad that you brought the military up. When you look at uh, the war crimes that were committed during World War II, and the, the trials that were held for those war crimes, uh, you know, in the beginning, everyone said, well, we were just following orders. Following orders is not a good answer, 
a good justification for committing atrocities. Yeah. Nope. And the police, when they just stood by while um, uh, George Floyd was was asphyxiated with by someone's knee, you know, they were just following orders essentially, and that's not okay. Yeah, well, and that's why all enough. four of them are wearing orange jumpsuits right now. So, yeah. you know, at least there's going to be, you know, some semblance of uh, hopeful justice. I don't know how that'll the trial will turn out. Listen, I'll just say it now as a as a as a predictor. If those guys go to trial and get off, it will create the most extremes in this country as far as protests and whatnot, because there is video of him killing a man. The what, end. what I want right. you guys to also remember is that while Adolf Hitler had such a huge base of supporters, and people like saying, yes, help us, save us. The difference between then and now is that we have more stability and freedom in this country. And it, I just sent you guys a picture, and that's just one picture. There's actually been, uh, like other pictures, not the one that I actually saw. That, that was in Philadelphia yesterday. Just that picture. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. And there was a crap ton of people. You know, yeah, that looks out, like over like 10,000. Speaking out. You know, letting their voices heard about Black Lives Matter, about about injustice, and basically against what the version of America that this president is putting forward. And while let's be real here, there's a very real chance that this president can still win a reelection this year. Mm-hmm. We still have, you know, he might have that military. That military might open fire, but it won't be a similar situation to Nazi Germany. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to stand up. There's going to be a lot of people who would get hurt and die. If that, well, if that ever were to come to pass, I don't think it would, but one of the good differences, I guess, between us and, and Nazi Germany is one of the first things that Nazi Germany, Germany did was, um, uh, de-arm their, or disarm their, their citizens. Yep. They took their guns away. Yeah. So they couldn't fight back if they wanted to. Exactly. They haven't, they, they're not, they're not going to do that here. They don't. I'm going to say something. There are of them. Here, here's here's the only thing I'll say, and I, and I I come back to this when I, I talk to certain. Not Tyler. I think you're a very reasonable person, and how you consider the Second Amendment is a thoughtful. You're not an asshole about it, right? And I mm-hmm. think that's important to note the difference. But there are people out there who are just I got the right to bear guns and fuck you, you know. And I'm going to have my AR-15 on the street when I go to Starbucks. Like you don't need that, right? But like. What I always say is, have your AR-15, bro. How is that going to stop you from getting killed by a drone that they can send while your ass is asleep? If they want to take every person in this country out, they could do it in a fell swoop, and we would have no clue. I mean, But then they maybe. wouldn't have any taxes. Yeah, well, that's true. That is true. But I'm just saying, if they wanted to go to that extreme, I don't think they would because the people will stand up. Ultimately, there's going to be someone who's supposedly, you know, flying one of these drones that goes, I'm not going to kill these people. Are you stupid? And then, you know, but what I kind of am getting to here is Nazi Germany had to be Nazi Germany to make Germany great again. Okay. Because it had to go through the worst period of transition. It had to weed out the evil, the actual evil that was inherited within and get rid of that. And of course, that came through a terrible cost, six million Jews dying and, and, and all kinds of craziness. We obviously went through World War II and then that caused other deaths to happen by proxy because of the Germans, you know. So all that being considered, I just don't want World War Three to be what makes America great again. And I don't want yeah. other countries coming to our shore to get rid of our dictator who is fucking up our planet. 
mm-hmm. because now it's big picture, and that's where we're kind of creeping towards. Germany doesn't mess around either with nope. Nazi depictions. I, I saw a a video just, uh, just recently, like within the last couple of weeks, and there was this one dude, like that, you know, they like they had like you know police patrolling around because of the you know because they were on protests over there too, and one guy did the did the salute, and that police mm-hmm. smacked the fuck out of him. He's, he he smacked his hand down and basically said, "You're liable for arrest." I saw that that old dude who does the thing and the guy fucking whaps him. He, he smacked yes, his arm down. I loved that. That, that is uh, that is against the law. You are liable to a huge fine and arrest, and for doing that. And that is just really funny how they've taken such a strong stand against that kind of mindset. And here in this country, just a few years ago. We had uh, KKK and neo Nazis protesting in Ferguson, and well, I mean, there's good people. Let's not on, forget about Virginia too. For, yeah, there, you know, there's good people on both sides, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I, th- I think we we, I'm 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 really glad that we brought up Nazi Germany, um, because we as America, you know, our, our entire lives we've been told that you know you're American, you're the greatest. You've always been the greatest in industry and you're the greatest, you know, you've got the greatest workforce in history and, you know, engineering and medicine and, and, and we are number one in every facet. And, you know, our generation is the first to really step back and say, no, we are not. We are clearly not number one. And probably haven't actually ever been. Well, it's a self-propagated lie. Right. But you look at, 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 at Imperial Germany, World War One. You know, World War One removed basically every uh, empire in the world except uh, Japan. Uh, you know, the UK for the most part. But you know, Imperial Germany went away. They went in recession, depression. Their economy tanked. They had to pay the rest of the world millions of dollars, and they rebuilt. And Nazi Germany came out of that, and then they had to do it all over again. And Germany has rebuilt itself multiple times and has always come out on top. You know, they're the wealthiest nation in Europe. They're one of the most powerful nations in Europe. Mm -hmm. And we really need to look at where you were born. It's where I was born. We really need to look at as a nation. We need to look at what Germany has done, the mistakes that they have made in the past and do everything in our power to not not to repeat history. That is the purpose of learning from your mistakes. And, you know, as an American, I can say there's one thing that we are definitely in in first place. We are number one in it's ignoring the past and repeating mistakes. Totally. Uh, I think that I, I, I want to bring this up because we're on the Nazi Germany thing. Brando, do you remember us having sent one of the Hoopston crew of uh, our school on the foreign exchange program to Germany? Shannon. Baby, it right? was Shannon. Correct. Now, I remember this. When she came back, her and Tony were dating. And do you know what Tony's one question to her was when she came back? I don't remember. What did you learn about Nazis? Like, what what did they tell you? You know, because you're, like, in the thick of it. Like, what? And you know what her response was? Do you, do you remember this at all? Nope. They didn't. They don't talk about it. No. It doesn't exist. Nope. It never happened. Don't bring it up. She, like, got offended that he had said that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, they're going to war right now, motherfuckers. My, uh, my <coughs> stepmom's dad is was a Nazi soldier, and he's still, he's still alive. 
and I've been fortunate enough to have a few conversations with him. Um, and you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, that was one of the first as a kid, you know, fucking I'm from the saving private Ryan generation. Yeah. So of course, of course I love military movies. Um, you know, wow, your dad, your dad was a Nazi, you know, uh, and her exact words were, we don't talk about it. It it never happened. Like, hmm. you, you hit the nail right on the head. It does not exist. Because they don't want to. They are actually ashamed of it. Yes. You know As what? they should and, be. And, it's, and, I, and I, again, I equate this back to and the journey into whatever we are today because this is awesome. I love this conversation we're having. But the real, the real nail on the head, and I think – I don't know if you guys saw this news yesterday with the U.S. Marine Corps coming out and banning Confederate flags on yes. anything. Yes. Okay? The treatment of the Confederate flag should be the same as the Nazi flag. We don't celebrate fucking Nazis. Let's not celebrate the South, who was all racist and wanted to fucking keep the black man down. Let's mm-hmm. not celebrate that. Let's not put on our trucks because of, sorry to use the word, heritage. It's, it's not like that. You know, that is a sign that slaps people in the face. And it saddens me. It saddens me. And, of course, coming from a different time, that bands like Leonard Skinner are attached to the Confederate flag. Mm-hmm. Great music. Pantera. I can't ever look at them as the same. Pantera, another now, great example. Also, also think about this, is that both of those bands have actively removed that uh, image from yeah. their from their logos, from their stuff. Absolutely. They, they, have renou- they have renounced it since then, you know. And, yeah. you know, good on and them for that. Be- because, yes. Because, you know, you said, like, you can't ever look at them the same. We also can't remember or, you know, can't forget to let – let people grow let people realize yes. their mistakes you know just you know just yesterday just last night on our super top secret project you know tyler <laughs> said you know i want to apologize for the way i acted and the way and things that i said about certain things and that is, is very important because while intolerance can only be met with intolerance we cannot forget that the people who are intolerant of certain things should be able to grow and become better people and be able Absolutely. If, if they put their hand up and go, "Hey, I was wrong," and you guys have shown me, and things have shown me that I was wrong, and yeah, I move past that. I I'm with you guys. That should that should be a thing, and we should you know not forget that. I uh, mean, you know what? That should be like a a holiday, okay? And let, let me explain what I mean by that. One day a year, I don't care if it's a fucking stupid Facebook holiday or whatever you want to do. It should be like Confession Day. And you should be able to come out and say, like, I fucked up and did X and I I it was a long time ago or whatever, but I've never cleared my conscience and get no judgment back. Like just nothing but like, hey, we support your growth and change, man. And of course, if you have an asshole on your friends list, you're going to find him and weed that fucker out. Hey, man, maybe you'll be growing and changing someday, but not right now. You're not going to you know, squash my shine, you know, because I think well, we are all, you know, um, guilty of making mistakes. We are only people. We're only mm-hmm. humans on our first and only trip on this journey a lot of what i've seen here lately on on uh social media has made me you know proud to be an american really um you know and that's not especially the last couple years that's something that i've not been i haven't been able to say the sad thing is there's as much that's making me ashamed to be an american with almost more than anything else Mm mm-hmm and one of the things that I think we that is good to cut toxic people from your life and people who won't 
acknowledge change and progress. There's a lot of people um, that are taking advantage of the situation right now to get attention and make make what's happening about them and shame on those people. Uh, don't don't give them the time of the day. Don't give them sat- the satisfaction of doing that. But there's enough people out there that are so adamantly fighting against what what we agree is the right thing, just because they wanna they wanna be on a side, and it's it's really 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 sad, and it's frustrating because you know my first reaction, like a lot of people's, is. Well, fuck them. They're gone from my friends list on social media. You know, I don't want to deal with it. This country is supposed to be a place of of learning and, and tolerance where we can entertain different sides of the same coin and and look at things, fun, things that are fundamentally different and accept other people's opinions and ideals. And you can't do that with this because th- there there are things that are that are inherently wrong and if it's wrong, it's wrong. And if you say different, then I'm sorry, you got to go. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, you nail it when you say cut toxic people on your life. I think there, as I've gotten older, the tolerance for toxic people has just literally, there's a zero level. If you show me you're toxic and that you're not willing to evolve from that done, there's no, there's, there's, there's literally just a no bullshit cutoff. It's been family members. I don't, I don't care. You know, like here's an example of toxic. I know since I was a kid and Brandon can probably attest to this. Sorry to put you on the spot, bro. My stepdad's a fucking asshole. Like he's a piece of shit human. Okay. I'm just going to be really real. He is not a good dude. He is. I know more about him and in my life than, than obviously Brandon knows, but Brandon had him as a teacher. So he kind of experienced some of that, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a more controlled environment, but you know, he came to Christmas this year, the first Christmas that I have went to my mom's family's Christmas in eight years, wearing a Trump Pence 2020 shirt, trying to stoke the flame. Yeah, just like, trying to be an asshole. Fuck you, dude. Have no time for it. Done. You know, just done. It, it, it is that simple. And I think, you know, maybe 10 years down the road, he'll call me and say, hey, man, I'm sorry. That was a stupid fucking move. And I realized I was an asshole. Okay, good. Growth, change. Let's move on. I'm ready for that. That's what I've yeah. wanted. But uh, I don't know. I w- we could just ramble on about this till all <laughs> the fucking cows come home because of all the shit that's been going on. But um, I-, I will say that growth and change is very important to something we're going to be talking about shortly on the show because when we get to Craven's Last Hunt, which is only a few more minutes away here, uh, there is a lot of growth and change to discuss there. So I'm going to really quickly bring up another little brief article I want to throw your guys' way. This news dropped last, uh, I think it was Monday. This would have been after the show went live, so we didn't have a chance to cover it. But Evan Peters is coming to the MCU, and his first seconds in the MCU is immediately going to WandaVision? What what does that say? One of two things to me, and I want your guys' opinions, obviously. Either he's coming back as Quicksilver, and we're going to get a multiverse crossover thing, and they're going to start integrating the X-Men, which is fucking amazing. <clears throat> or he's going to play uh, one of the sons of Wanda and Vision, Wiccan or Speed, as mm-hmm. a different alternate way to bring him into the MCU, pay homage to what he was, but give him a totally new character to portray that's not 
the same Quicksilver the X Men did because it it wasn't bad. Yeah, his 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 Quicksilver was fun. It just isn't the Quicksilver I think of when I think of the comics. You know, it, it, they didn't really do a good job of capturing the comic essence of that character. I don't think. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I I did remember seeing that, and I wasn't sure, uh, it, like, like I didn't break it down as to like whether or not he was coming in as Quicksilver. They just didn't, because from what I saw, they didn't say like it's still like they we have to not. wait. We have to wait and see. Uh, and I have been wondering how they are going to integrate X Men into the MCU, uh, knowing that they're not in a huge hurry to do so, uh, due to the fact that I mean X Men, there has been no shortage of X Men universe things in film. Uh, for the last 20 years. And so it's like, while, yes, they have it and they can do MCU version of X-Men, that has been out there. It has been very well publicized and it has a lot of eyes on it. And uh, you have to think that, you know, the last few movies didn't do great numbers. Considering the last movie came out a year ago yesterday. Yeah. And was the biggest box office flop in history. Yeah. I I was just reading through that article. Yeah. So, I mean... Marvel's not they're they're not hurting to bring back the X Men. They will and, and and they'll do it and, and we'll and see how they pick their spot. I know they yeah, will. Absolutely. You know, because when you think about it, when you, they have to be smart about it because the X Men is a property well loved, well known. You know, when you think about Marvel, you think about you know, Spider Man and for a lot of people, what's the next person you think of? Wolverine. Wolverine. And who was Wolverine for twenty years? Hugh Jackman. Right. And they're not going to bring back Hugh Jackman for it because he's in his fifties. The dude's got to move on, you know. Maybe a guest spot that would be cool, you know. The, you know, get that Deadpool thing in, but he's not going to be the Wolverine going forward. So you got to find the guy who's going to be your Wolverine, and somehow you've got to get out under that Hugh Jackman shadow, and that's very difficult task to do. I don't care who you are. I don't care what actor you are. You know, we, we we've already gone through. Endless Batmans, you know, we, we're not even at, there's a new Batman cast every five years. So it's like, you know, nowadays it's like, eh, okay, we'll see how he does. You know, it's not that, not that mindset anymore. When you have not somebody coming in and taking over Tony Stark's role and just saying, okay, well, Robert Downey Jr. Didn't matter. Yes. Well now, now this person has to be Tony Stark and he played Tony Stark for 10 years. That's a different kind of story. Right. Uh, in general, you know, that would be like if they were to do the new Star Wars movies and they had Luke Skywalker, but they didn't have Mark Hamill. So then you're like, all right, so this dude's playing Luke Skywalker, but it's not Mark Hamill. Mm-hmm. And then, so in your mind, you're already comparing him to, to the other actor, right. even though that's sometimes it's not even fair to do. You want to let them give their own shake, but we are fans and we are constantly comparing things to things that we already know we like. And, that makes us a little fickle, but it's also kind of why we're fans. Absolutely. 100%. And I think it's because we live in the era of perfection when things are good, they're great. And when they're not exactly good, they kind of get put into this category of like, well, okay. Suicide squad was okay, but then you become mediocre. And in this era to be a mediocre superhero movie, it's just not going to cut the cheese, man. Mm-hmm. Well, it, so, that's I mean, what makes me excited because the thing is is that we also live in an era where we get endless superhero movies now. It has yes. become it has become the modern western. You know, back in the 60s everything was a goddamn western. 
Right. Uh, so now we we have a lot of stories that are getting told. Some of them are great. Some of them are mediocre. Very few of them are actively bad. And Fantastic Four. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So like you know, I try to remember that. Like when I watch something, you know, it's like okay, this was pretty good. Maybe it wasn't as good as it could have been, but it's pretty good. Let's not. And let's not consider this a total failure just because it was good. And that's another thing to, to add on to that. While we are fickle, while we want certain things, we got to let stuff breathe and give it a chance and let other people who have different visions than us, because if we could make movies, we would be doing it, you know? And so like, that's uh, true. One of the things that was voted as the most anticipated movie coming out in the next year, which was, uh, this was hilarious. Venom two. One out the poll against Spider-Man 3, against Fast and Furious, whatever, 17, against, you know, uh, the next Wonder Woman. It, it, it was Venom 2 because people want to see where it's going. They want to see, you know, okay, they're bringing in Carnage. Rumor about Tom Holland. Okay, what are they doing with this story that's going to expand it, possibly cross it over? Maybe. We don't know. Will we of, get J.K. Simmons as a, as a J. Jonah Jameson? Maybe considering he's got multiple contracted roles for maybe for maybe he's in there. Maybe he's not. But we're going to get to see what they're going to do, and that's what makes it exciting because I want to see what they're going to do as well. You know, I want to see what Wonder Woman's going to do. I want to see what you know Black Widow would have been out by now. I want to see what they're going to do with that because it's a story that's set before the end game, but it has some. T- it's going to do something to set up for something down the line. It's got to, otherwise, it's just a. Another epilogue movie, essentially. Yeah, we're getting we and we, and they and obviously Marvel isn't you know all about doing just epilogue after epilogue. This mm-hmm. is supposed to be the start of Phase Four, Chapter Two of their sagas. They're not going to do it short. Think Iron Man. They're going to set their foundation big and have have lofty goals. I think we're going to get a lot of teases for characters that have and have not been introduced in the MCU that we've wanted, and and you know hear about names that maybe are ten years down the road before we see them and whatnot. Um, I, I was going somewhere and I had I had a thought and it's it's typical JIC fashion that of course I <laughs> fuck lost it so um, that just happens but, oh oh to talk about to talk about Venom you know uh, it's I think because it's got Spider Man's name attached to it it automatically has the like cream of the crop built in you know mm-hmm. and you do have a good cast and and one thing I will say and I Tyler and I did a fucking essentially a four hour podcast on podcastrophy. 66 and 66.5 or whatever that was talking and discussing the things I liked and didn't like about Venom. And I think even back then I said there's one thing they could easily do that would change my whole opinion of the first movie. And that's how they bring in a spider symbol to the Venom suit in the second movie because that is the thing to me that drove me the most crazy about the movie. Like even now thinking back like the movie itself, okay, it wasn't that bad. The plot was okay. There were some things I probably would have done different. Sure. But I'm just pissed that it didn't really look quite like Venom. It was like 80% Venom. It was like Ven. His, they should have just called him Ven. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he left the om at home. So I'm hoping that, you know, Spider-Man gets touched by the fucking symbiote. The symbiote goes back to Eddie and brings a little Spidey with him. You know, that's my hope. I liked the fucking spider on my chest. It looked cool or whatever, you know, fucking puts it on there or whatnot. But if they don't do that and they just fucking shit the bed and never give him the spider, then I don't know if I'll ever really get behind the series like I want to. And what's Carnage going to look like? They could, I mean, they could do anything and Carnage will probably look awesome because he doesn't have a designated logo that mm. makes Carnage Carnage. He is this fluid symbiote of, of, of insanity, you know? And I'm excited to see what Woody Harrelson does with, with the yes. overall character, other than that little clip that we got. Like, I, Woody Harrelson is 
a brilliant fucking actor. Even Absolutely. though, even though when you watch him, he, you know, he's like one of those actors that like you know, kind of like Matthew McConaughey. He's so good, but he's always Matthew McConaughey. Right. You know? Yeah. You know, so it's like you know what you're going to get with Woody Harrelson. He's going to look and sound like Woody Harrelson, but how is he going to interpret this character? I want to know. Matthew McConaughey is a guy that I would like to see in the MCU as oh, somebody yeah. down the line. I think, I think he would be fun. I think he would enjoy it. You know, the fans I think would like it. Um, my one big hope for Venom Two is that the the little clip that we got of Cletus Cassidy at the end of Venom One is that um, Woody Harrelson gets uh, a little bit more involved in the character, and we don't see that. Because that was uncomfortable. To me, that was the worst part of the entire movie. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased because of the character. Tom Hardy, I enjoyed the movie overall. That that ending, you know, the the last minute of the movie could have been done, could have been so much more well done than what we got. It was uncomfortable to watch for me. Pretty pretty easy to do it better. All you have to do is have the cell. The fucking you see the symbiote slip under the cell. You don't ever see Woody Harrelson's face, and then the first thing you see is from the back. The red goes over his head, and he turns around, and it's Carnage. You fucking see Carnage. You know, sure, it's cool to know Woody Harrelson's gonna be your Carnage. I'm glad that you're setting that up, and he's gonna be a mostly CGI character. You know, until he takes his fucking thing off, like Cassidy used to do, yeah. or whatever. But the di- the dialogue just didn't feel genuine for me. No, you know, no. But I don't think there even needed to be dialogue. I think right. that just needed to be a turn and the fucking ah, the teeth and the fucking Maybe a him. Scream. Yeah, him going at the camera. You know, like almost like in a horror movie. Yes, I'm gonna just keep jolting my body until the cows come home you know fucking uh but no i'm excited for venom too i agree i i just want to see how the world reacts to all the different superhero movies that are on pause right now that are going to come out the pipeline like a shit that's been waiting for years you know just like Mm -hmm. oh because we're going to get wonder woman 84 we're going to get black widow we're going to get the eternals it's going to be it's going to be chaos as soon as the movie industry opens back up we are going right into chaos mode and that's not even considering all the disney plus shows that's that's if the movie industry ever (laughs) opens back up you know i I read uh i read three or four articles yesterday and you know for anyone that's listened to any podcast that i've been on the movie industry is something that's obviously near and dear to my heart. I love the feeling of going to the movies. And, you know, we took Ruby to the drive-in a couple weekends ago, and I love going to the drive-in, but it's just not the same. You know, it, it, it's not the same. Um, and, you know, you we, we, we've got, uh, la, 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 la. We've got uh, good, rich quality theaters who's in limbo. We don't know what's happening with them. AMC every couple of days releases a statement saying we don't know if we're going to survive the coronavirus because we don't have any money and then now you've got cinemark who is like flexing on amc and the rest of the 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 the, the movie industry saying well we're we're pretty okay um we just like well, we would like some movies please uh you know it, 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 the, the whole industry is fucking bat shit and crazy right now and i don't i don't know what it's going to come out as or looking like on the other end rumor there's that rumor that amazon uh was looking to buy maybe buy purchase amc oh really i haven't seen Whoa. that one. that, that, that would was, be a crazy game changer it, that's a rumor that, but the that also their name was tied to buying jc penny and you know something else so like it's like you know amazon just you know 
I'm sure whenever there's a talk of somebody going bad, it's like you know, Amazon's gonna be, hey, what if we bought them? Maybe they don't ever go through with that. Maybe they maybe they never even go over to the next stage. But somewhere somewhere down the line, somebody's like, wow, did you hear the company might be buying AMC? Wow, I'm gonna go leak that to somebody, you know? Right. And, and it probably never will happen, but. But I mean, let, let's think about it. Like, what? Here, let me let me uh, R and D department here real quick. Well, while he's doing that, I'm gonna I'll I'll pull up a, a quick thought. If Disney Plus made the executive decision to put Black Widow on their service at twenty dollars a family subscription, okay, you pay one time twenty dollars, it unlocks it to be on your Disney Plus immediately. It never hits theaters, whatever. They would make a billion dollars if every subscriber did that. And of course they're not, but think about that number and you didn't have to get people out of their home. It's a different experience. You're getting more people to possibly watch it. They have 50 million subscribers right now at 20 bucks a head. That's a billion dollars. There's, there's opportunity there. There is, but here's the issue. And this issue came around with Trolls World Tour. Um, so Trolls got released digitally uh, through Vudu and Amazon Prime and, and other things like that. The big stars of that movie were... Um, uh, uh, Justin Timberlake, uh, Anna Kendrick, Anna Kendrick. So when they sign on to do that movie, they get paid up front, but they only get a certain percentage, and they're counting on the other percentage of that money being made back at the box, box office. office. Yep. And so they are guaranteed that so much in their contract. Money coming in from digital buys doesn't count as that. So oh, really? They are not getting that money. Hmm. And they were not made aware that Universal was going to do this. So, like, according to the deal deal that they... Now, now I'm sure since then, since they kind of voiced their opinion, that they sat down with Universal and they probably worked something out, you know, Mm -hmm. to make sure that they got their money. But the thing is, is that you got, you know, big-time stars like David Harbour, like uh, Scarlett Johansson playing Mm -hmm. in Black Widow, and and they... you know, probably signed this contract to this movie, probably got paid. And then like, all right, when the movie comes out, it's going to do this, it's going to do this kind of money. And the, and the studio's like, all right, so like, like once this happens, when we get these back, then you'll get the back end of that money. If it gets released via the Disney Plus, they will make a shitload of money, more money than they would have, but they're mm-hmm. not contractually obligated to give that money to the stars. That makes sense. And they can write that off as a loss. And, you know, maybe they would, you know, but, but again, it's like, that's just a worry that, that, that since I read that article, like uh, about a, about a month ago, cause I remember we, we rented, you know, trolls. So, you know, so Wyatt could watch it because he really wanted to. And God, uh, it was awful. <laughs> it was all right. It was all right. I, I am really glad that I looked at Skylar and I said, we are not paying $20 for Amazon prime to watch trolls world tour. Because we went to the drive-in and saw it, and it was fucking awful. Um, I really liked how Ozzy was the uh, yeah. He was the rock and roll troll dad, and he mm-hmm. was like just completely you like you like you couldn't tell what he was saying. He's, he's like and like hey, it's Ozzy. <laughs> yep, <laughs> straight up Ozzy. Um, no, there was some like the thing is I've seen the first Trolls a million times because it's Wyatt a good loved one, it. One though, uh, Trolls Two wasn't as good. Uh, but it was there. It was you know he he loved it, so it doesn't matter what I think, right? Um, but Not, it wasn't made for you, Brando. Exactly, exactly. It wasn't made for me, but it did have some cool music, and and now Wyatt is obsessed with Crazy Train. That's awesome. So like he just runs around yelling, "All aboard!" <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's cool. awesome. So. 
the R&D department has come through. I've got the the three biggest theater chains in America. Sure. Okay, we've got AMC Entertainment with 659 theaters, 8,218 total screens as of 2018. Cinemark Theaters with 525 theaters, total 4,566 screens. And then, scroll down here quite a ways, Regal Cinemas. Mm. 558 theaters with 7,306 screens. So those are the big three as far as movie theater goes. Um, to put it in perspective, uh, Goodrich Quality Theaters has 30 total theaters, 281 screens. Yeah, Whoa. they're a lot smaller. Yep, a lot smaller of a company. I didn't realize they were that small. I thought they had more theaters in Michigan. Mm-mm, no, um, if you go to the website, you'll see it's mostly uh, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana. Area, yeah, and that's it. Um, I mean, the next, uh, I mean, I'm not seeing anybody that has more than a hundred. Um, because I would imagine, like, on this list that I have, it shows the main company, how many theaters, how many screens they have, and then all of the theater chains that they have absorbed over the years. And I would imagine that every time one of these theater chains has got like a hundred theaters, that's when. Regal, Cinemark, AMC comes in and buys them out. Um, you know, this is strictly North America, the United States. But so two of the three are struggling right now financially. Of the big three are struggling financially. Um, or I'm sorry, one of the three and then Regal and Cinemark are like, yeah, we are, we're okay, you know, whatever. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen because I obviously don't have a Regal or Cinemark within driving distance of me. Re- realistically, you know, mm-hmm. it's just it's frustrating. Yeah, the theaters here are AMC, so I don't know yep. what happened. I think it'd be interesting though if Amazon did buy them out because then Amazon could, like I like I was saying about Disney Plus, offer two different ways for their own way to make money. Like, oh yeah, fucking go home and watch the movie after you just watched it and just buy it for 20 bucks. Like, go to the mm-hmm. theater, pay the money, watch it, and then you'll probably want to go home and watch it again, huh? You know, and then that might become the new trend. Like, oh, you just get your movie on demand immediately and you can start, you know, fan geeking out about it within, you know, hours of its launch. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I mean, we'll see. we have, you know, TV series now that drop the entire show in, in one day and people binge it. So the, the, the access immediately to the media is, I think, what everybody wants most, especially in this time now where we have to find a way to be entertained, especially if you're stuck at home and you're not doing a whole lot of fucking anything. You know, you have to find something to do in your walls or outside your house or you will fucking Jack Torrance, everybody, you know, all work and no play, make Jack a dull, dull boy. Uh, right. You know, so. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the different cinemas. Honestly, this is, uh, uncharted territory, but I'm sure, I'm sure that everything will resolve. Uh, speaking of resolve, are you guys ready to, to get into these last two, the second to last two books? It's hard Absolutely. to say of Craven's last hunt. Yes. This has been a long arduous journey to get here. Books two and three, lots of exposition books, four and five. What did you guys think? Uh, T.Y. I'm I'm like, yes, big, big two thumbs up for me. Um, you know, the last two issues, we talked a lot about like 
how if they would have combined issue two, issue three into one book, like how much better it would have been. It would have been more complete and, and, and not so confusing. Um, you know, the cover of issue four is probably one of my favorite covers that I've ever seen. Resurrection. Ever. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty dope. Um, and the way that the, the issue four opens up, it's like, you know, you have no idea what is happening. Um, until yeah, until, until you until you figure out what what angle they're playing at, and then it's really clever the way they uh, they pushed the story in that direction. I guess mm-hmm. is how to say that. Yep. So yeah, two thumbs up for me for sure. Fuck yeah, Brando! You played big catch up, so you've gotten all of the story in like a quick condensed time. Uh, just off the top of your head, four. What did you think? Okay, so. Uh... Just a quick recap of what I thought leading up to four. Is sure, please do. I wasn't a fan okay. until I got to four and five. Mm-hmm. I kind of okay. felt like the story was non-existent uh, until you get there. Like you see where the, once you get to the four and five, you see the the the, the parts that they had played planted. And I, you know, I understand that this is a story that's kind of like more focused on building the character of Craven. But personally, I find him kind of uninteresting. So okay. I was struggling to kind of get behind him as a character. And of course, when you have all those issues without Spider-Man, when he's taking a spot, it was like, all right, okay, here. And like, I found that kind of disinteresting until we get to, you know, basically, you know, issue four resurrection, mm-hmm. where then like, all right, here we go. Now it actually starts building some some plot and you actually start getting more cuz cuz I feel like I feel like what I was missing was like exposition and and why um where you had all those issues kind of leading up maybe as 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 Tyler said maybe issue 2 and 3 would have been better suited as a you know shorten that up and make that one issue cuz it would have made it flow a little bit better but no issue 4 was awesome i loved it starting with the whole white and he's in that fetal position I thought that was great. And then him uh him going through this like near death. Uh, I also liked, you know, him him crawling out, but then you also like future trip, you get to see bits of that of him crawling out and in and like in the other book mm-hmm. when he's going into the sewer. Uh maybe future trip and a little too much there, but I liked that. I thought that was really cool because what some some of the imagery here of him coming out of like the spider, like he's being born. <laughs> it's really pretty really, creepy. It's pretty yeah. weird and creepy. Uh, but uh, no, once he's out, the story really kind of starts picking up and he starts trying to figure out what's going on. And you end up having that confrontation. I, I kind of feel like, and this is where like maybe sometimes these books uh, in these multi-part stories might have little threads in them from other issues before this. Yeah. Stuff that you don't quite get because it's a part of this is, you know, uh, amazing Spider-Man 293, but you know, 292 had its own story. 294 will have its own thing. You know, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. So like the whole thing with MJ, like going out and then going to, um, dude's house, the, the editor, uh, Robertson, Robertson, John Robertson. Yeah. Just for her to leave. And I'm like, and then she went back home. Like, the whole thing was just like, man, this is kind of just... Planned. Yeah, feels like you're just going through the motion just to do it. Yeah. Whereas, 
you know, you do get the payoff of him coming back, but you didn't do anything with that middle part. You did not really involve her in, in much other than her being worried. And that, well, and then having that little one glimpse of Craven as Spider-Man and him, her basically saying that's not him. Like, he's not acting right. And so, like, I just felt like narratively that was off. But in, as I said, when you get to four, it instantly kicks into gear. And it it's really becomes... highest gear. It does. And it becomes really interesting. And I, and I liked little things that they did where they change the bubble for Peter's speaking voice and they come in and say, like, well, your vocal cords, you haven't been talking for two weeks. You know, so then you could kind of, in your head, visualize how someone kind of maybe wouldn't have the most powerful. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. He was uh, doing his best Bell Batman. Uh, maybe not that far far gravelly, yeah. but, like, yeah. you know, I definitely heard it. And then, of course, you have him tracking him down. And Okay. So here's something that I want to ask, and, and I don't know if, if either of you uh, know this answer. Sure. Is this after Peter and the symbiote have separated and Peter just has just made a black suit? I no. thought so. Nope. So this is the symbiote. Correct. Because he doesn't lose it until 298, 299, leading into... Funnily enough, Amazing Spider-Man 300. So that's when he officially <laughs> loses the black suit. So yeah, he's still very much a little bit symbiote in this moment. Well, because there are there were things where I got a little confused. And gr- granted, I'm reading this in a bubble, so like not absolutely following all the way through the series and and, and, and to this point where like I know that and I'm aware that the symbiote has its own mind mm-hmm. and. Early, in one of the early issues where he's talking to himself, he has two different versions of Peter that's talking. It's his narrative voice and his like deeper fear voice. Right. And I was at first I thought that was a symbiote, but it's not. Mm-mm. It's just how the symbiote is is mind altering him because back in this era of black suit Spider Man, the symbiote made him darker. It made him gruffer, mm-hmm. but it didn't like have its own voice. It, it wasn't until it linked up with Eddie that it started to become its own entity really so you get more of Spider-Man in a he's more aggressive he's faster he's a lot stronger noticeably he's throwing full-size replicas of you know giant elephants and shit which is way beyond what he typically can handle I mean even when he's fighting Rhino he's struggling to hold him back so that's evident and uh you know one thing I really thought was interesting about this is that uh, Parker's inner dialogue is going crazy that he's been in a, the ground for two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he cannot escape. He, it's like, it. it's, I mean, obviously, if you were fucking essentially dead for two weeks underground, you'd freak the fuck out too. But like, they do a really great job of like, in almost every couple, two weeks, he can't even, it was two weeks. Like, what the heck? Like, how did that happen? How could I let this happen? Uh, you know, Book four had so many cool moments. One thing I thought was interesting was was Peter coming to her, and he doesn't he doesn't even because like you know you said he doesn't have any vocal cords, so he just essentially shows up, reveals it's actually me, gives MJ some love, and then leaves again back on his mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
God. I, and I, I will say, I love how they subtly are setting up the next issue, which is called Thunder in this issue. And what having issue the is Thunder? Five. No. Amazing. 293? 294. 294, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ironic, that I'm here funny. again for 294. Ah, I see what you did there. You've snuck on again, 294, man. Knocking Bay 294. <laughs> now, 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 look. What I want to know is, so we have different Spider-Man series having this story told over the course of its run. Mm-hmm. Yep. That doesn't make sense to me. Me either. So, like, say if I was just a subscriber or if I just had Amazing Spider-Man, I would only get part of this story, which it would they would make me go out and try to track down Web of Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, uh, and, and that was their marketing goal. See, you're you're uncovering what their whole plan was because at that time, Spidey was hot to trot. You put mm-hmm. him on anything and it was buying, even if the book wasn't necessarily great. And you had Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man not doing as well as they wanted it to. It was actually probably the C book of the different series. And then Web of Spider-Man came on very strong in the beginning and then kind of petered out for a small time. <laughs> it petered the, out. Ha, 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 14, 15 <laughs> in those issues, you know, it kind of it waxed into not being that great of a series. And then they ramped it back up. For, for Craven's Last Hunt, trying to get people reinvigorated. And I think Web of Spider-Man ends up going like 250 issues or something like that, or 200 issues, and then they and then they called it. So, you know, it was all a game in trying to market to them. And realistically, that story could have just been an amazing Spider-Man story, and it would have been phenomenal. And those mm-hmm. books would have been highly sought after, and everybody would have wanted Craven's Last Hunt. But it's a harder series to track now because you have to go through the different series to find all the parts. Well, I'm pretty sure they offer it as a big uh, collected, like graphic. Yeah, trade paperback. Yeah, trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just saying for the individual collector, like yes. such as myself, if I wanted to end up getting Craven's Last Hunt, I now have to search out at least four books. Three. Yeah. Well, like yeah, it, it will because it's it, web. The first part was Web of Spider Man. Yep. And the, you know, and then it goes to Amazing, and then it goes to Spectacular. Yep. And so, like, it, they basically did it in a one, two, three kind of motion. And I mean, I, I, I don't know because I just kind of like when I was reading through, and and it, you know, I like I saw the covers. I'm just like, wait, uh, this is amazing. I thought this was spectacular. Wait, what? It really confused <laughs> me for a second. Yeah. You know, like especially just coming on, trying to participate in this episode with you guys, and you know, and and, and, you know, and read these, and oh, and what I love, part five. They just released the uh, the um, Tiger King, Joe Exotic uh, yeah. comic cover that is an homage Timing. <laughs> to this issue, and I sent it to you guys last night. It was hilarious, brilliantly done, strangely timed. That that just came out. We're just talking about this issue. We're very on time and topical, obviously. Uh, you know. The setup of Book Four Resurrection is Peter getting out of the grave ultimately finding his way to Craven. But one thing I loved about the issue that is subtle and underlined is Craven. He's coming. He's coming. Like, he's giddy with excitement. He knew the whole time Spider-Man was going to beat this because, and then we learn in issue five, what was the ultimate plan? What's the ultimate play? And, and, and you know, why are we in this? So before we move to five, uh, thoughts on book four ultimately and, and, and possibly a rating from you guys. Uh, 
book book five or book four for me is uh you know if we're gonna go on our our our, our five star scale four out of five all day i think that's i, a I very, think it's very just solid i think, I think four is just solid honestly i thought issue four was the first one that was really solid Mm-hmm. You know, as we as, as as we've already said, this is where the story actually kicks into gear and it starts bringing right. everything around. You start getting what you kind of expect for from from the interaction and the and, the, and that anticipation of the showdown. And so, no, it, yeah, no, I agreed all day for. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, as we as we get to the final panel of book four, I, I forgot to mention we do have Spider Man and Craven. Craven in the black suit, unmasked Spider-Man on the ceiling, uh, webbing down behind him, and Craven's inner monologue. He's here. One thing, one thing I do want to point out. I agree with a lot of the things that you've said about the series, Brandon. How it's really, really lackluster in individual parts, and and, and you know the dialogue and everything you said. The one thing that I would say shines above all else, though, is Craven's dialogue. Like how his like inner his monologue. inner monologue. Yes. Yeah. Like how fucking maniacal this man is! Like especially you know a couple issues ago, uh, issues ago, Nate and I were talking about like the it, the the episodes with the spider goo. Like this series above all else really goes to show how fucking wild Craven is, and that's I, I think that's what I love about it more than the than the story itself really up until issue four and five well it's interesting because like i i mentioned how disinterested i am in the overall character but mm-hmm. they're but no you're right those are what are making him more more interesting mm-hmm. and less like the other standard fair spidey right. villains and you're seeing that this guy is a lot smarter uh, than what he's let on craven's craven's fucking wild he's wilding it out yeah, it's that Russian blood, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how powerful Book Five opens. Crack uh. of thunder and a line that, that I fucking just feel with my soul. They said my mother was insane, you know. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I vibe that. Yeah. But <laughs> before we officially get into thunder, oh, did I lose you guys? Nope, you're still here. No, nope. you're still here, bud. We're here. We're yeah. good. Okay, just making sure. I had the uh, an internet is unstable thing. I was like, oh no, fucking worst timing. Uh, but before we get officially get into thunder here and uh, get, talk about the inner inner workings of the book, just an early summation as we did the last time. I mean, for me at least, this book is the. This is how every TV show should look after their series. The second to last episode should be your banger, and then your final episode should be your ride off into the sunset and finish the story out nicely. And I think that's uh, that's kind of what they're going to be doing, uh, not to spoil book six, which we'll get to in Journey into Comics 300, I promise. Uh, but what did you guys think of book five? Uh, Brandon, you want to go first? This was This was the... The issue that I've been waiting for in the and while I said issue four was really good, this is the this is the issue that really makes this series a must read. Like legit uh, yeah. Legitimately. Like it 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 you kinda look like I had a certain perception of the series 
then going into four, and then this issue changed that perception entirely. Mm-hmm. You know, it is the whole like villain kind of revealing his plan kind of thing, but it's done very well. And then you have, my gosh, that ending. Not expected. No. No. Totally left field for sure. God. Uh, That's ballsy. That's ballsy and dark. Yes. Uh, I love that the the issue is called Thunder, and consistently throughout every multiple panels, we get the Krakoom of Thunder. Often. They actually, like, oh, we're going to call it Thunder. Let's not just ignore that. They actually took the time out to make it a part of the story. The Thunder becomes... You feel it during these moments. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, looking over it, I'm just kind of like going through it again, just refreshing myself. I love how a lot of it is the inner monologue of Craven. And then we also get him speaking to Spider Man. So we're just getting so much Craven exposition. You're truly getting the reveal. It, well, exactly. And, 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 and that's where, like, with my criticism of the first three issues, yeah, uh, where there's like he has inner monologue, but you're kind of like still wondering wh- why. You know, okay, yeah. I bought this issue. Like, if this was back then, I bought this issue. You know, what is enticing me to keep reading this? And they took a gamble. They took a gamble with waiting until four and five, really, to make this like, wow, okay. So like maybe you know, if you were just a guy who picked it up, well, this was a good issue. I need to go get the other ones. Or if you have been following along, you're like maybe you're a diehard, and you're like, yeah, this it, it's all right, you know, I don't know. And, and, but if this book doesn't hit you in that way of holy shit, and it almost makes you want to now go back and reread the other stuff, knowing how this is going to wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So we, you know, we get a, a couple things I want to mention, and I don't know if you guys noticed it, but the fence is electric. So Vermin is in this cage, getting the shit shocked out of him mm-hmm. every time he touches it, but he keeps touching it. You know, we have the showdown with Craven and and Spidey. They are fighting and dueling it out, and and really, Craven's not fighting. He's just like, hey man, there's no reason to fight. It's done. I beat you, and you actually have to live in knowing that I beat you. Mm-hmm. You can't take it back. You can't undo it. You were quote unquote dead for two weeks, motherfucker, and I took your place. I'm superior to you which another villain of Spider-Man becomes superior to Mm Spider-Man in the future. So I love that little tiny little reference there. But then we, we really get um, when I say Craven's bigger plan is the whole time he's been fucking with vermin in Spider-Man suit. It was for this moment. So he could unleash vermin and see if Spider-Man really has the gusto to do what it takes to put this bad guy away. After he so soundly and swiftly, beat the vermin into nothingness yeah Mm -hmm. it's almost like he's trying to teach him to be better in a way yeah well because he even goes to that here let me help you up come on you're you're gonna go beat him you just need a little pick me up right now you know because i i i i did it you saw he was captured you saw i could do it yeah before you couldn't beat this guy without cap's help you know, and even still, you almost didn't do it, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's like it's, it, it, it's kind of like as I said, it's kind of weird, but I liked it how how they kind of made Craven this different kind of character than what I'd always 
you know, had seen before. We're like, yeah. he's kind of encouraging Spider-Man, like, learn from your mistakes, pick yourself up, go do it, because it's possible. You can do it. I know. You. It's almost like he's kind of being his coach. Come on, buddy. Mm-hmm. Give him a little tap on the butt. You know? And he goes, there was that line that that he says, like, you know, Spider-Man's like, you know, um, there's one final thing I see. This is in her monologue. Something I don't think I was capable of seeing till now. Every man has a spider, and perhaps I, I have been yours. And it's like, you're free to go. And Spidey's like, just like that, just go. After all we you've done, you really think I'm going to like a man like you won't let vermin run loose and kill anybody else. He doesn't say kill, but that's what he means. Go and follow your conscience. Uh, yeah, it. It's interesting. Definitely, as I said, you know, these last two issues, it, it was great that I was able to come on with these because if I was on before, I probably would have been not as excited if we mm-hmm. were reading these like one issue a week or whatever. But like, I don't know about this. Well, one thing, one thing that I did like about um, issue five is, you know, throughout, throughout this issue, they bring back the, the imagery of the spider and the rat. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, towards the end of issue five, you see the rat and the spider squaring up while Vermin and Spider-Man are fighting. The rat beats the spider and eats it, you know. Um, and without Craven's intervention here... It would have happened, yeah. It, it would have happened. So, you know, I thought that was kind of strange, but, like, when Vermin, uh, you know, what Brandon was just describing, like... Craven given Spider-Man that helping hand, we see Vermin, we see a panel with Vermin running away, and the rat with the spider goo dripping out of its mouth is kind of watching from his back. This might not be narratively the best comic story I've ever read, but I will say that this is the best comic that I've, or best series that I've ever read with the most powerful imagery. Like, Craven's Last Hunt does it. Yeah, and I think that it solidifies what I had said a couple uh, a couple reads ago, Ty, when I said this book is made for cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, give me this story as one of Tom Holland's, and I'm done, man. I don't need to see anything. Like they did it. They gave me Mysterio. They gave me a good Vulture, and then I got a Craven like that. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm I'm out. Like, and not in a bad way. I would watch more willingly. I'm just saying you don't have to give me more because this. As you said, with visuals is the most impactful story I think I've ever read in Spider-Man. Well, especially um, especially with the last three pages of the book, um, you know, God mm-hmm. damn that I last know. that last page, man, like, or the the second to last page, did not could not plan for this, could not you know imagine this would be the end in my mind like at all. I think there's a moment right before this, though, in the the panels leading to Parker swinging away, and then he goes down into the sewer. In that panel where Craven says goodbye, mm-hmm. a few panels ago, if you just look at the way they drew his eyes, he's somber mm-hmm. watching Spidey go away, like really somber. And I love that the rain is on him, so it's like an extra emotional moment. And he waits until he's going into the sewer, and in his inner monologue, he doesn't say it aloud. He just acknowledges I'll never see him again. That's it. 
I've made my piece. And I, I loved it. I was like, holy shit. I was not expecting them to go this route. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what, um, what I liked is that, as you said before, you know, uh, to, to add on what I was saying, where he's telling them to go and, and, and go and do your thing. You're not going to let him go. And, you know, Parker's like, while, while you're merely going around destroying people's lives and using people, it's like, after all these years, you surely know that I'm a man of my word. And I give you my word from this night forward, Craven the Hunter will never hunt again. Because mm-hmm. he, he, he was already resolute. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And I think that you know that's what he is going to do now, retrospectively, that I've completed the series, and we'll talk about that on 300 more. But it almost from the jump in the first issue, looking back on it, he knew that was that grave is not meant for Spider-Man. I mean, it, it was, but not really. He he knew that if Yeah, because you Parker have the imagery could, of, 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 of the digging. Uh-huh. It's for him, yeah. Yep. I I, lo- I love that. That's that's great storytelling, of course. And we're we're alluding to it here, but you know, Craven is looking at a picture of his family. He sets it down. There's the coffin that he had buried Parker in. Can I read? Can I read this dialogue? Yes, please, go, please do. So it starts with how calm I feel, how peaceful, as if something inside me, some knot, some tangle of fear and anger, and so much more, has been finally untied. All these years. Fleeing Russia, suffocating in America, finding release, finding honor in the jungle all these years. And I've never known peace or calm or that elusive thing called happiness. But I feel as if I can know it now that it's nearby, just outside, perhaps hidden in the patter of the rain, the drumbeat of the thunder. Peace, calm, happiness and ending now. And then thunder cracks Craven puts a gun in his mouth. Thunder cracks again. They said my mother was insane. And then he pulls the trigger. Oof. And again, the symmetry just gets me. They open the book with that line. Mm -hmm. And they just bring it right back around to this like very poignant torment. And I think as people, and this is one thing that maybe in comics doesn't get uh, enough recognition, but this is one of those stories where as people, I think we all see part of ourself in Craven because we've all had afflictions that have been personal demons for us mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's what this is for him is the personal demons have been shed away. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to fight the spider anymore. He doesn't have to prove he's the greatest. He has accomplished the pinnacle of everything that his being will be. And uh, in some sort of almost beautiful Japanese poetry, he ends the story on his terms and no one else's. And I think that is um, why I would say without question like this, if there's the highest level of five, like if we could almost go beyond five stars, this will get that for me because it gave, like I said, you put this in a movie and you're going to have people crying for weeks about Craven Mm -hmm. and it's going to change the whole paradigm. Well, okay. So if they did that, they like a Tom Holland movie with this, think about the difference in which Mysterio did everything to tear Parker down. Yes. And with Craven, you would have if he's trying to push him to be better, mm-hmm. like at, in a villainous kind of way. Sure. He, he's trying to do the opposite of what Mysterio had done. One thing I really appreciated about the ending of, of Craven's story, you know, because obviously this isn't the end of the story, this is just the end of Craven's story. Um, 
we see at the beginning of the book, you know, a lot of Craven's inner monologue is talking about his mother, mm -hmm. talking about his father, talking about the uh, their exodus from Russia and how awful of a childhood he was or he had. And at the beginning of the story, I was not necessarily confused, but I didn't really see at that time how this was relevant to the story that's being told here narratively, because we all understand that Craven is insane for what, for, for one reason or the other, you know, th this one obviously goes farther um, and more extreme than most, most of the Craven stuff that we're, that we're given, I guess does. Um, but you know, the way that, that last couple panels with that inner monologue and with the picture and, you know, how all of that, that, how it all shakes out in the end, you know, the last image that we see is an image of Craven as a child. And basically in my mind, Craven is who Craven is because he was robbed of his childhood based on his inner monologue at the beginning of the story. And he had to grow is, up way too fast. This is Craven explaining, you know, base, this is basically Craven's last will and Testament of, I'm sorry for everything that I've done. I did it because of X, Y, and Z. And now, you know, I've accepted I, my demise. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, I, I loved this book. I was blown away. Absolutely. It just, it, it got there. Uh, and not in a hurry either. The way they built book five was a beautiful, slow build. You actually, like you said, got nice character development. Craven sitting there. He's trying to villainously mentor Parker in a way of like saying, like, you def you didn't like I won this fight. We had this battle, but you're gonna win the war, kid, because you actually survived what I did to you, which was my worst. And I could have killed you. Mm -hmm. I could have ended this if I wanted to, and I didn't. Because you're better. And the world needs that. And in some weird fucked up way, Craven becomes the hero of this story, it, yeah, <laughs> even he though becomes, he's not the hero at all. Like this demented mentor that he's trying to like, you know, pass that on or like, you know, be what I couldn't, you know, be what be what the world wouldn't allow me to be or whatever. Right. You know, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It, and, and, and as I said, as much as narratively that, that the story wasn't doing it for me until we got to these issues, uh, this this book did so much to bring this story up and is quintessentially what I would say like this is what is makes comic book great comic books great visual great visual storytelling and uh, as it Ty does said, get a little wordy that's my uh, only complaint it gets a little wordy in this one but that but I feel like it needs it because of how lackluster that part is in the beginning part of the story mm -hmm. yep yep hundred percent. Um honestly brando do you know what this book gave me weird hard vibes of without even being anything like it but i just with the way they had to shove so much dialogue in while also telling such a visual story hardcore watchman vibes i mean a little bit with the inner just like oh man there there's i mean and and i think that's a couple of years before Watchmen, actually, because Watchmen was like, what, 88 or 89? And this is like 83 and 84, I do believe, or 84 and 85, somewhere in that timeline. Five, I think. Yeah, so this is a couple of years before Watchmen. Maybe, uh, you know, Alan Moore and them, uh, right? It's Alan Moore that did Watchmen. Am I crazy? I don't have it in yeah. front of me. So, I, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Watchmen came out in 86. 
Okay, so uh, maybe not necessarily influenced by Craven's Last Hunt, but could have been just a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know where Alan Moore drew his inspiration from, and I don't want to assume, but I just love that there's some comparison there considering it was the last on-network official comic club we did. Yeah. And now we, we've brought it back uh, sort of in a different way, full circle, because instead of it being one episode, all the books, which was sometimes really hard to do. And this series would have been that. Yeah, it would have been slow, 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 fast. We can't stop talking. Oh, shit. Oh, I you know. know. So, like it would have been it really would have been like, so what do you think of issue one? Uh, uh, is there, what, two, eh, uh, three. That should have been the other one. Eh, four. OK, here we go. Now. Now the podcast can start. Yeah, Craven's now we're here. La Craven's last hunt was actually uh, 87. Oh, wow. Okay, so flip-flop it. Watchmen could have influenced Craven's. Hmm, I like it. I like it a lot. I do. Uh, yeah, issue three, issue three came out October 10th of 1987. Wow. So I'm trying to get issue one here. I'm struggling. I would say... September or August of 87. It would probably be concurrent. October so, 1st of 1987 was issue one. Wow. So when you think about it, uh, you know, if Watchmen came out September of 86, that was like a year long, it was like a 12 issue arc. So it, it, mm -hmm. as soon as that was ending up, you, you had Craven come right after that. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. I fucking love it. So, Brando, are you on board with the five star? Uh, absolutely. No, I absolutely agree. As I said, like, like as much as as much as I could kind of say that the first few issues didn't do much for me, this issue turned it all around, and and through visual storytelling and great dial inter, like inner monologue, like it told a great story, and it's what mm -hmm. makes comic books fun. To read. And I will say there's one interesting thing to mention about book five that got a five stars, and book four that got a four stars. We didn't plan that, I promise. But uh, <laughs> book five. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, it wouldn't be as good, and I don't want to take away from the book at all, but if as a comic reader, naive me back in the day just went picked up 294, funnily enough, and started reading it, it's good. It's a great story. It's kind of fast because it's like, boom, there's Spider-Man, boom, now Craven killed himself. Oh, shit, the end. But the other parts of this make five so – it's the heart. Book five is literally the heart of the story. It's what yeah. the whole, like when somebody was drunk or high in Marvel and they were thinking about like how we're going to end Craven's story and maybe we should kill off this major villain. What are we going to do? Mm -hmm. They started with that decision and mm -hmm. spidered backwards, I think. Sure. I agree. Uh, because like, oh, how more, what more beautiful way than Craven essentially doing a modern seppuku on himself mm -hmm. and, and going out on his terms, as I said before. So, when uh, I think too, um, you know, overall as a story, now that I've finished issue six, like, obviously I'm not going to get into issue six, but I feel like you could have ended the series with book five and, and, and it been just the same, you yeah. know, like, like almost more impactful, more, uh, everything that happens in book five resonate more if that was the ending, you know, not knowing what happens after that. So Yeah, I need I need to actually go to two ninety five in the Amazing Spider Man run and see mm -hmm. if they at all 
talk about or discuss like the 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 suicide of of craven essentially because i feel like that could be a very cool other story arc of course like you said they take a lot of that and put it in book six we'll get there on 300 Mm -hmm. soon but um man i'm i'm jazzed this has been one of my favorite reads we've ever done and to now be able to share it with both Brando and Tyler, the you know longest reigning co- co-hosts in the history of the show, on two different spectrums of that, uh, man, awesome! I'm jazzed, you guys. Is there anything else we want to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, I don't have anything. That's about it, my friend. All right. Well, I think that that's going to do it for the show. As always, you folks can check out Journey into Comics at journeyintocomics.com. Get us on the Journey into Comics Network at journeyintocomics.com and on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, which is no longer a thing, Spotify, CastBox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey Into Comics Network. Did we ever find out where we are on iHeartRadio? I don't think so yet. I looked, I looked it's, it's not there yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I looked yesterday, and I couldn't find it. You bastards! I did that the day that Brando and I said it on OGs that we were probably on iHeartRadio because <laughs> of the little... And we still aren't submitted. Or we, I mean, I submitted it, but we still haven't been accepted. Fuckers. Oh, well. Anyways, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics 299. I've been Nate. I've been T.Y. And I've been Brando. And as always, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. We'll see you guys on 300. Later. Later.